Hello. Hello, Marilyn. Good morning, Dad. How are you doing? Well, you know how I'm doing. You're doing good. You're chilled. You're relaxed. You're restful. I'm strung like bull. <laughs> Dan. Yeah. Dan. Mm-hmm. We have to disclose. Are you having, having a coffee? What are you, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a little bit of the lime LaCroix that it was in the fridge lime, here. Lime LaCroix. Hi, uh, I'm hi. Lime LaCroix. Hi. Sounds I like a good sort of um, World War II villain, Lime LaCroix. Oh, I was going to go for a retired pole dancer, but I like yours better. <laughs> I like both of those. Both of those. I maybe used to dance, two of them together. I danced on a pole and fought for the resistance, and I smoked the whole time. There you go. I'm Lieutenant Lime LaCroix. Why do they say it, Lieutenant, like that? I've That's- never known. There's other things you can understand the you know peculiarities in the language and how you arrive at something, but I'm going to find out. Dan, Dan, we have to disclose. It's I, annoying. I, this is, I, but first of all, let me open. I, I, I owe you. I owe you an apology. No, you don't. Yeah. Um. I, I, this is not brr, unprecedented, but it's it's hardly precedented. I I I I, I screwed up. I, I ate the booger. I dropped the ball. I dropped the booger. Well, we had I, rescheduled I, it, and then you I know. had it wrong on my calendar, and What'd I don't know put, what's happening. Where did you put it for? Well, that's a really good question. Remind me later. Clicking Command Two. I think I did the classic off by one error. Oh yeah. I have by one week or one day or one hour. Oh, no worse. One week. Mm. I had us for uh, next... See, now this is going to come out on the 4th, correct? Yes, it will. Because today is June 4th. Today is June 4th. And boy, wasn't that Deadwood movie amazing? Oh, was that... How was that? We watched that, remember? Oh, what... In the past. What what day was that on? That came out Friday of last week. You're kidding me. No. <gasps> we watched it, too, and we loved it, right? Oh, so excited for having yeah. That came that. out on, on May May 31st, Friday, May 31st, in the past. May 31st. Oh, right, right, right. That El Engine boy. Whoo, he doesn't uh, need a character. He hasn't guy. softened up at all. He's still- 20 uh, he's years still, later, still the same. But, but, 20? No, come on. What? Well, Is 20 it, years oh, in their time. But, and that's why I'm scared. I had a breakfast sandwich because I didn't know we were doing a show. <laughs> I screwed up. Okay, so that's why they aged up the elephant. That's right. There's oh, 20 this years is already for them the worst show I've ever done here. You're doing great. We'll I'm edit. We'll edit poorly. all this out. No, no, just don't release it today on the fourth. Um. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything. Uh, fun- I don't know. There's a functional component to this, but your know, calendar is truth. I gotta write that down. That's pretty good. Calendar, calendar is, is truth. Calendar is truth, because um, you know, you know, you know me, right? You know me a little bit. You, I mean, you know I, I talk to you once a week. That's like knowing someone. Well, we got we got those matching tattoos. <laughs> um, not gonna <laughs> the, say where. It's none of your business. Well, but for people who are curious, we My got balls. two what? two halves of an avocado, oh. and one of the halves has the the seed in it, and the other one or pit or whatever you want to call it, and the other one doesn't. And I'll let you figure out which of us is the pit and which of us is the. Uh, <gasps> The the con- concave, uh, yeah, the, area. the the seed the seed holster, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a weird decision, but I like the way it turned out. I get a lot of compliments when I'm changing clothes at the Y. Yeah, I, you know, when you're drunk, you do crazy things. Well, that's I. I don't think they're drunk. They've just been working out. No, <laughs> but 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 they'll, they'll they'll say, "Are you a millennium?" Because you got an avocado on your that's balls. Right. Why that's did you right. do that? Yeah, why did you do that? And then I I I, I lift up. I got I got the uh, you know I got the I got the pillars and I got, I lift it up and and I show them. That's Dan. 
That's that's part that's part of me. You're you're the biggest part of me. <sighs> this is uh, this is a disaster because you know this is the least prepared I think I've ever been for a program. But no. I, I feel good about that. Strong like bull. I apologize to our listeners that I got the calendar wrong. We could talk about calendars. Dan, what are you? Dan, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, on this beautiful I'm f- Tuesday. I'm fine, fine, fine. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to talk about? I've got some. Uh, I've got some letters from uh, listeners we could talk about. I like that. Um, we could. Uh, we'll do whatever you want. I don't. I don't like talking about the show on the show, but you know, I feel like I owe you an amends. No, I don't think you do. I mean, it it happens, and we, this is a weird. It's a weird time in our lives right now. So I think it's is all it? right. Yeah, it's it is silly season. That's part of the problem. I imagine you're facing this too, just because you're dealing with John Roderick and his and his month of June. Yeah, he's got a whacked out month this month. He's going in. You know, it worked because I have to do that thing next week, but otherwise it's it's nonsense what he's doing. You gotta do that thing next week. Oh, right, that thing. Yeah. Yes. Um and just him describing his month of June. He puts was, it on himself. He, she makes these choices. He's responsible for his own it. thing. I'm glad you said it. I think they're bad choices, but oh. this is, this is what he wants to do and let him do it. I think it's too busy. You're too busy. You need to rest. You need to give yourself time to recover. Boy, that could be a topic, buddy. Um, but he's also, he's threading a variety of needles and, yeah. and he literally has, what do you call the hole in a needle? The eye? The eye of the needle. Like the, the eye, eye of the, storm. Of the hurricane, he's uh, he's got an eye on his needle, which is and I think that obviously this is public. Is that he's going to be gone? According to him, supposedly mm-hmm. he's going to be gone every day in June except for one. There's one day in June that he will be in his home, home hometown of residence, and that is the day he closes on his house. Right, and that's the only reason I think that he's going to be there is just to do that and get get out again. Dan, I know, I know you don't stress or have anxiety. <laughs> Not at all. Never, do. never, never. No, 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 no. You're past that. They put that behind you. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you know what? You, you're like the, you're like the Buddha. You get up in the morning and you that's throw right. away your shoes. That's right. Throw away your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so is that how that works? You get up and you throw away your shoes. Every morning, <laughs> a different pair. Yeah. Chop wood, carry water, throw away shoes. Right. Yes. Um, I, uh, just hearing him talk about that. I mean, honestly, legit. Um, was very stressful. Yeah. I mean, let alone going to like, uh, what, Estonia. I mean, it seems like a nice place. You, are you at, okay, I was talking to my wife about this, you know, here in Austin, and I think it's very much the same where you are, although less fancy here. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of concerts come through Austin. A lot of acts come through here. And um, someone had told me that Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds were coming because they know that I wow. like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. You, I didn't know you liked them. Yes, I do. Oh my goodness. Okay, keep and, going, but and, I, I want to put a fork in that because I had no idea. All right. And there- oh, I, I used to be a huge Nick Cave fan. Like, don't quiz me on the catalog. I'm not- And the like, bus seat is waiting. And yeah. I make my bed I don't know. I love the sound of the music. I love it. Nick Cage is the coolest dude walking the earth right now, I think, or one of them. Nick Nick <laughs> Nick Cage? Cage, Cave- I'm tired. Did I mention that I'm tired? Have I mentioned that I didn't sleep much last night? Um, I'm putting a fork in that. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, not enough. So Nick cave is Mm -hmm. the, one of the coolest guys walking the earth. And so, uh, a friend of mine said, Oh Dan, you know, Nick cave is coming through. You're going to go see the concert. And I said, no, I said, did you know he's coming? I said, no, but well, you should go, you know, no. And, um, because for me, 
I worked, I worked at the, uh, one of the big arenas in Orlando when I was there and in college and I saw hundreds of acts comes through, uh, many of mm-hmm. them good, many of them not so good, but I got exposure to so many great bands and acts that I never, never, never would have seen had I not had this very low paying job. Uh, everything from uh, the, from extreme who uh, I got to shoot hoops with behind the uh, stage while they is were that, setting is that up. More th- is that more than words? It is. That's that. Uh, They're like brothers. Yeah. And then, um, and, and then all the way to like acts like Vince Gill and Vince Gill uh, is country, but man, his band mm-hmm. were amazing. I think we've talked about this. I don't want to belabor it, but they were just amazing. I got to see so many concerts, so many acts through that, that I feel like I've, I've seen what can be seen in, in concerts. And now in my advanced age, the idea of like driving to the concert parking and dealing with the the press of people and the the beer and the smoking and the noise and all of that it just doesn't appeal to me anymore it's just mm-hmm. not a thing that i want and i was trying to think of an act let, like let alone like the babysitter <sighs> right yes i mean if you and your lady go yes that's a hundred bucks forget that but yeah. the whole thing it's like it just doesn't it doesn't grab me like it used to when i was in my 20s or even early you don't, 30s you don't see the music and the fun I mean, it gets sort of like, again, back to my wife with the forest versus the trees. Like all I see is a thousand trees. I, I don't, I don't see it. That's, that's the way to say it. All I, all I see is risk and inconvenience. Yes. Risk and inconvenience. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yes. I, but, but go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I'm I know, making... that way. I mean, one thing that's neat about what you described, risk and inconvenience. I also forgot to start. I forgot to start. What is, wait, what's this on the, what's this on the, this picture of you just sent me? Oh, uh, you can save that if you want. You got me thinking about fancy San Francisco. Um, So I I rushed in to the office to record our program this (laughs) morning. And that was waiting for me um, outside my office door. And I'm not hip enough to even know exactly. There's a lot going on in this photo. There's a lot going on. Well, okay. uh, Okay. Well, hang on. Put a fork in that. All I was going to say was there's something so interesting about seeing a ton of, bands um like you like you did back in the day uh you're an extreme case of this literally more extreme. than words more, more than, than words. words but i had a similar version of this where uh you know as i've mentioned there was like these like basically two bars there's the bar that i went to to hang out with friends and have drinks and the, there's the bar that i went to to um see bands and have drinks and uh, also for a while was where my band practiced we practiced i was in a band with the guys who owned this club and so all our gear was there so i was there like at some point or other five days a week. And so, so often you would just go there to just because somebody was playing, it was three bucks or whatever. But in your case, it's more extreme. What I was going to say was that you really, when you're exposed to a lot of stuff you didn't choose to do, whether mm-hmm. that is reading, assigned reading, reserve reading in college, um, you know, whether that's like, I don't know, even like having to like work in a city for a while you've never been to and being exposed to restaurants and walks you've never have done otherwise but but in your case especially like you didn't get to pick which bands were going to be there you may not have even brought like a huge amount of expectation to the table but like you discover like would you ever have paid and planned to see vince gill never never absolutely not 
But that gives you – that's so leveling in some ways. It's so leveling that, like, you don't go in there with the expectation of – you know, one of the things I would always say to people who had stage fright when we were performing is remember that everybody here, you know, uh, wants to like this. They all paid to come here or they chose to be here. But in your case, that wasn't true. You right. went in with a kind of neutral, like, well, here we go. I got to be here. And that's, it's so interesting how you can get a legit eye into, like, new stuff that you have never been exposed to. And you, you not only just discover things you'd never have thought about, yeah. but, like... I don't know. I just think that's so interesting. That's such a weird, you make a great point in life. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, and, and just, I mean, I saw a lot of graduations of classes that I didn't care about too, but it, I found because I was very much in that place, especially at this time of my life. And we're talking about college age. I was like super into classic rock and grunge. And that was it. And that's what I played on the guitar and that's what I listened to. And like the police once in a while, but like everything else sucked. I hated everything else. And I went into this of like, huh, this is going to be some dumb act. I'm not going to like it. And, but I found very quickly that I liked a lot of music that I had no idea that I even, that I'd never even heard of before. And right, so it, right, it went right. from, oh God, this is going to be the crappiest three hours of my life listening to this country Vince dude, like what, a, what kind of name is Vince Gill? Come on. Yeah. And then I was in there and it's I was like, like yeah, it's like wow. the name of uh, like the beast and a fish. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But Vincent, I found yeah. a- along with them that, that it was possible for me to enjoy almost every kind of music and, and really, especially in a live performance, really appreciate that. But like you, I love the way you said about just seeing the trees because that's how I feel about that kind of thing now, especially at a, at like a big venue where, you know, there's just a, there's, there's going to be a lot of people. I went to one concert by choice. It was Dave Matthews. And yeah. I, I, I'm going to say it was like. Does he have that giant violin player then? Does he have a violin player? It's like the I, I don't know what, he, I don't know what he had. I couldn't see anything because everyone was standing the whole time and they were oh, all taller yeah. than me and they were, uh, everyone was drunk and high and, and so much beer was spilled and there's so much noise and crap. And it was, everyone was so rowdy. I just, it was such a miserable experience. Contrast that to the Sting concert that I saw where Annie Lennox opened for him. Oh, she's wonderful. And it was, they did, they did some stuff together and it was, it was this was in North Carolina and I was, uh, I, I remember it was like an outdoor amphitheater. And at one point, a woman you know, took it upon herself to sort of stand up and kind of dance around in the music a little bit. And everyone in the audience at the Sting concert was like, down, can you sit down, please? Down up there. Right, right, Because she had the audacity to like stand during the performance. It was like a completely different vibe. It's like a different culture. And they had like, you you got like, everyone had like glasses of wine instead of like beer and and (laughs) pot. And it was such a different vibe. And I was like, you know what? Like, I hate to say it, but this is kind of better than like the mosh pit that I was in 10 years ago yeah. with uh, Kurt Cobain playing 15 feet away. You're, it different, was... you're a different, you're a different person. Yeah. I mean, when, uh, before my daughter was born, when my, uh, my then girlfriend and I uh, were just people, we, I mean, we met in a bar. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we met in a bar. Oh, did you seeing... like pick her up in a bar? Well, she kind of picked me up for the first time <laughs> in my life, but um. <laughs> Yeah, it all started that night. Uh, I'll leave it at that. The um, we were there to see uh, 
uh, Thinking Fellers, Local 282, which is a really good, uh, like, indie local band on Matador. And they were, and we just happened to be there, and our friends set us up. But, like, just, just to establish, like, that's how we met. We met through rock music. We instantly bonded over, like, one pavement song. Oh, wow. And there's all this stuff where, like, our, we, have, we had such a basis in indie rock. Because she used to be kind of, like, one of those uh, d- dirty mission bike messenger people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> really? And I, yeah, well, and I was just, I was a dumb, like, indie rock hipster <laughs> from Florida. Yeah. But we hit it off. But we would, um, we would go to shows before our daughter was born. And, and, and I want to frame this in the way, in a, in a clear way, which is I'm not complaining about having a kid. But, like, we did used to have a lot more autonomy to say, like, even on the day or the evening, just be like, okay, well, let's go to, let's go to bottom of the hill, you know, uh, whatever, that death cab is here or something. And um, you would just go and you, and, and like, but all of the things that drove me crazy about bottom of the hill, which is actually where we met very near her house, walkable to her house um, in Petrero. We, um, I, that was one of my favorite clubs ever. It was great. They had a smoking area outside. The drinks were cheap. The people were cool, but like, um, it didn't take too long, and I, I can't really put this on my daughter. It's also where I've seen the Long Winters a bunch of times. Like, believe, believe Long Winters? They must have played at Cafe Tenor. But anyway, the point being that, like, you talk about forest versus trees. So we used to go there all the time. And sometimes we'd sit, and mostly we'd stand. And we mm-hmm. found this one little area that was like, you know, uh, like a pocket of air under the rowboat. We found this, like, one area where you could go right near the stage and be mostly unmolested by people. So you'd stack up with several beers, go hang out in that corner. And we had strategies. All this stuff. We knew, like, the best time to try and use the horrible bathrooms. All of that <laughs> stuff. But then, like, I, I can't even tell you, flash forward, I don't know how long, and all I noticed was everything I hated about that experience, including everything you described, which is you got to drive from the sunset to Petrero. You got to, like, you got to find a place to park in this, like, pretty sketchy neighborhood. You go in there, and, like, people are, people seem, you know, everybody's kind of presenting. It's, like, just a bunch of bonobos with uh, Pabst. <laughs> and... <laughs> Capture that, please. <laughs> and uh, and I also I also started to discover stuff I never noticed before. Like I don't know if it was just being a man in his then mid to late thirties, but no matter where I stood, I was in someone's way, and someone was in my way. And then like I could no longer find the pocket of air under the rowboat. And all I noticed was trees, 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 trees. Now, fast forward even more, your kid is born. So first of all, let's start with the baby tax of $100 to leave the house. It's going to be $50 in cabs. You don't wanna, I don't want to sound mercantile about this, but like pretty soon all those trees start to really accumulate <laughs> into a legit forest. Yeah. And now you're fighting this like... I mean, there's so many times, there were times where like, oh my God, like, uh, like neutral milk hotel is going to be here or something. And you'd be like, yeah, I don't know, man. Let's just watch SVU, you know, let's just, let's spend the night with the TiVo instead of the elephant sex yeah. bands. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's, that's kind of how that works. And I don't know. It's funny. Um, like, like in, uh, uh sorry, <laughs> this week as the show comes out, um, WWDC is happening in San Jose. Now San Jose it used to be held in San Francisco. San Jose is that's not like a, a quick, a brisk walk for you from where you are right now, right? Are you kidding me? It's a very. I live in a very walkable neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and um, it, whereas anytime there was an event for Apple related stuff in San Francisco, of course I went. You can hear the streetcar go by. I. It's a. It's a twenty minute streetcar ride, and all of my friends from all over the world are there. Mm-hmm. And like that's kind of a no brainer, especially when you're. 
writing and podcasting about Apple things, but like the the resistance that I feel about going to San Jose to see my admittedly wonderful friends. I'm not going to go to the event, but to do the like things around it, maybe go to layers, something like that. But the point is like, even my, my wife is like, you should go to this. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go to that. I, it's, it's too far for too little and too much disruption. And she's like, look, I'll drive you there. And I'm like, please, you're so sweet. Please don't drive me there. <laughs> I got invited <laughs> yesterday to a private dinner with a bunch of Apple superstars. Um, that very kindly from a friend at a uh, well-known software company. Yeah, And I haven't responded yet. I haven't written him back yet because I'm going to have to say to him, <laughs> thanks for the license for your new software. Thanks for the invitation to hang out with a bunch of like really, really interesting people and get a free meal. But like, I'm lame now. I'm like legitimately lame now. And I, I have mixed feelings about being a seer of trees. I, I, on the one hand, you know, you have to, you have to accept that as one gets older, and I know it's a fun joke to, to joke about getting older, but not just older as in like, my lumbago, but as in like having a context for all the different things that you have going on, it's, I'm going to have to explain to him that, that because I'm lame and don't feel like driving for 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I feel like it, I feel like a dick about it that I'm going to have to like, Decline, and I'm, I, it sounds like I'm humble bragging, um, or or backdoor. Uh, what is it? Jenna calls it um, like the like a, a a backdoor compliment or whatever to myself. And I don't mean it that way. It, it's it's not shame. It's not precisely shame. It's not precisely sadness. But like I am not overly tethered to the person that I used to be, quite in the way that I have. Right. Been I know exactly I what it, you mean. Do you? Does that yes, make sense? Yes. Because like. When one start, let's say you could even say when you get to the point where you're noticing your lumbago, you start to go, oh, wow, I have such misty watercolored memories of the way I was. And I mean, the way I was was fine. That's that's who I was. But I mean, whether whether it's an ill-fitting toupee or a car you can't afford or, a, or a, a, a very disruptive mistress or whatever it is, there's all these things that one can do and it's totally fine. But if you're doing it in an effort to re-become a person whom you're not anymore, it's probably not going to make you that happy. And if you're doing it in a performance, and I'm not, criti- I'm not criticizing and I'm not defending, I'm just trying to like establish some context for how one becomes a seer of trees. Right. <laughs> but like, you have to say, you know, what is this in service of? A- am-, am I doing this as a performance for others or perhaps more harrowingly, am I doing this as a performance for myself? Like, do I really want to start rock climbing at this point in my life? And, and I, I mean, you know, there's certainly probably good reasons to do that. If you become like, you know, recently divorced guy, if you're all like Donald Trump Jr., like, yeah, you're going to have these adventures. But I don't know. I guess the point I'm, I'm struggling to make is that, uh, which is not where I started, but like, I think one has to be careful in life about balancing the thing you have for most of your early life. This kind of goes back to the keys that we talked about last time. But on the one hand, when you're young, you have all these aspirations to become a person whom you've never been. And then in a weird way, when you get older, it's almost as though you want to capture a person whom you never were. Because you have this notion of this, like these, these Heraclitian like flashpoints of like who you thought you were and like the, the suit you thought that you fit. And 
Like that's, that's a kind of uh, a, a meta lack of self-knowledge that can be really exhausting. <clears throat> In addition to which, it's just fun to not do stuff. It's fun to say no sometimes, especially, and I'm, I'm trying to avoid all the weeds of like, well, there's just a lot of stuff to do. The reason this episode had to be rescheduled is because it's the day that my daughter has her fifth grade promotion. And like, I, I do, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss pickup. Like, <clears throat> I don't, I don't want to miss, we're going to want, we watched Captain Marvel, like the, the day that it came out on iTunes. Like, I don't want to miss all that bull stuff. Right. So yeah. I don't know. That's just that's just the point. So, tell me what you think about this. I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. And one of the things that I wanted to add to it is, you know, there's the FOMO, fear of missing out. But I've been trying to figure out what the opposite of of that is because there are so many times when I'll see someone post a photo of some place that they're at with stuff going on, and I'll think to myself, I am so glad that I didn't go to that. I'm mm-hmm. so glad that I'm not there. And it's not that I'm antisocial because I'm not. I'm I'm out every day. I see people every day. But there's something that has that went from this crazy desire to be a part of all of those things and to go and experience them to a kind of contentedness with being where I am right now mm-hmm. instead of that fear or even acceptance or even acceptance, acceptance. Yes. Even it's like i heard a wonderful thing on i'm the, uh, here the and they're there and that's okay they had a really good segment on the waves today on on the slate podcast where they talked about um curvy wife guy and his new terrible hip-hop song and they were contrasting the idea of sort of like the spectrum of like are you a what used to be called a chubby chaser or are you part of what's been called the like you know fat acceptance movement or are you this kind of new idea of like what's called body neutrality which is like this is the body this is the body that i've got this is the suitcase for my brain and heart and soul and it's got wheels and 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 i move around and sometimes it serves me well and sometimes it doesn't but i i don't want to be defined by what my body is whether or not you agree aesthetically with with how i present and I think that's somewhat similar to what you're describing. Yeah. Like it's it, when I say acceptance, it's not acceptance in the sense of, well, I, you know, my lot in life sucks and here I am. And it certainly can definitely, definitely be satisfaction. It can be like these small moments that are like, you know, sort of described by these concentric circles of like BS in life. Right. But that, that's, so yeah, what you said, you mostly agree. What do you, what's the, uh, what's no, your, I'm not finding again? anything I disagree with. It's just, I'm all of the things that you said really, really do kind of, they make sense to me. And I feel like a big part of my younger days were, were spent feeling like I was missing out, you know, really, mm-hmm. really feeling like, oh man, I wish I lived in that city or I wish I was doing this other thing. And you know, we have South by Southwest here, for example. And the first few years that I was here, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go to this thing. It's great. Like I wanted to go all those years in the past and for whatever reason, whether it was work or other commitments or just not being able to afford it that I couldn't go. And back when like in South by Southwest Interactive was like you and five other people hanging out, drinking beer and, and just having fun. I really feel like I missed out on that. And so now here I am in Austin, I'm going to like go to Southwest, South by Southwest every time. Mm-hmm. And I, I went and I saw some really good talks and I met people that I'd never met before. And then I was like, okay, like, you know, it, it was nice to see these people like you were talking about, but like everything else around it was so difficult. Just navigating downtown and getting in and out of there takes an hour and a half just to get 
situated in there, even though I live 15 minutes from downtown, you know, like all of that. And it, it just, it, it, I hate to say it like this, but at, at a certain point for me, it cert, certain things became not worth it. Mm-hmm. And that, that the thing I, I liked most that you but said, did you still have the excitement and the brio to feel like you wanted to do it. Uh, or did not you just even start so much. The yeah. The mm-hmm. resistance yeah. to it. But the thing you said that I really, that I, I like the most is that acceptance and con- contentment of saying, you know what? It, it doesn't matter what other people are doing. It only really matters if I'm happy with the thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been many times when I've been invited to something and I would say, oh, you know, yeah, like eight o'clock, that's Tuesday. That's kind of exactly when I'm going to be with my kids doing bedtime with them. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you don't, somebody else will have to do that. Yeah. And it kind of, when I'm weighing this out, I started to realize, you know what? That's one of my favorite parts of the day is being mm-hmm. with my, my family and, <laughs> and enjoying that time with them. And I realized I really don't give a crap what else is going on because it's not going to be that good. No matter what it is, I won't like it as much. It's not, it doesn't matter. This is where I really want to be. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess my, my feeling on that is like, um, I mean, I don't, I don't dislike bedtime, but I, but bedtime is a thing that I do. I mean, I know I, I don't disenjoy it, but I mean, like, for example, this morning it, where it's Groundhog Day for me, which is like, okay, we really need to start walking to school. Like we live very close to school, but like you do have to walk and you do have to get there and it is a known amount of distance or at night. Like there's never a night we don't take a shower. There's never a night we don't put in the retainer. There's never a night we don't brush teeth. And that's setting aside all of my other Jarvis-like activities that I have to do that could involve like catching <laughs> a spider or or involve like, you know, um, remembering to uh, refrigerate the the cold pack for the lunchbox or like all of these tasks that have to be done. But like that is um, that is that is one point. I'm in very few ways like a soldier. I'm very <laughs> in very few ways like uh, you know I've taken the black the castle black. But like that's my oath. <laughs> the oath that I have taken is that I will protect the wall <laughs> for the realm. <laughs> right. And my realm just happens to be eleven and forget a retainer sometimes. And um, it's it is my honor to to serve there. The, um, we should probably talk about something you like, but just I, I, this is a very random and controversial thing to say. And, and uh, I, at this point, I will risk saying something that's unintentionally offensive. But um, this is one part where as, I think you know that I enjoy the Internet. I've enjoyed the Internet for a long time. But, you know, like, again, something they were talking about on the waves today is like this whole problem with incel culture. And now that article about the guys in incel who like want to look like a Chad. So they're having their face chiseled into points. And right. they're still oddly enough, they're still not attractive to women. They would never think to like drill down into like the core things, the core self-absorptions and lack of interest in other people's lives, not just attractions, but their utter lack of interest in other people. Cause they never, they were never, they never learned it their entire life. They're like perma 12. Their whole life is to see everything around them in terms of what it's not giving them that they feel like they are owed. And so the problem, one problem with the internet, and I, I, I could single out on Instagram, but I'm not because I know it gives people a lot of joy or theoretical joy. But like, you think about when you're young, and so much of your youth, 
especially if you're not, in my case, I'll just say from the color of my crystal, coming from not a huge amount of means, it's like so much of my life was defined by what I didn't have. And so much of my life was defined by who I'm not allowed to be in my head. And I I was kind of like a baby Pasco incel in a lot of ways, in that sense of like, why isn't the world giving me all the things that other people seem to get? And then flash forward, and there is like, there is this certain state of mind that I, I don't know anybody's heart, but but there is there feel it feels like there's a certain state of mind where you flash forward a few years where somebody has a camera phone and a, an account somewhere, and so much of what they seem to be doing is as we've stipulated before, showing how well they're doing, which is fun. Right, like we right, all want right. to like you know we have self talk about that and all those kinds of things, but like it's also a way of showing. Whereas when you're young, you obsess over the things you don't have and the person that you're not. Uh, when you get older, you it, it appears like some people want to address that by showing the things that they're having or showing the things that they're being. And it's not the having and the being that's the important part. It ultimately is the showing and it's the framing and it's the filter and it's all of those things. And I realize this is a horribly cynical thing and it does not apply to any of our listeners, I'm sure. But I have been that person. I have been the person who got real involved in Flickr or got real involved in social networks and like who I sent popcorn to yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Know, and remotely touched or whatever. Uh, but like, you know, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't have a big point to this except to say like, you know, the, the person who you are is the person that you are. Like, this is it. That's the package. Like all, all of the rolling bags of life that came with you, uh, that's who you are. You are. You are that person and you are certainly capable of change and you're capable of growth. But like, it's difficult to address whether that's FOMO or whether that's discontentment or whether mm-hmm. that's any kind of squeaky, wobbly Buddhist wheel. It's difficult to address that simply by slathering on more activity and proof of the activity. And that a lot, I, I do wonder sometimes if a lot of the hollowness and loneliness that a lot of us feel sometimes is because we are so subject to seeing other people apparently doing great. And sometimes they are doing great. Like, let's, let's be honest, there's a lot of people who are doing great. But like... So much of, of it is posture, posturing, though. Posturing, but also just that, like, it could be something as... I found some old emails from, uh, doesn't matter, uh, last night. And it's just like, this keening desire among men to be seen um, as an aggressive entrepreneur. You know, I'm not a small business owner, I'm an entrepreneur. And that desire to be seen as like, then you're the serial entrepreneur and there's there's all of these things. And like, you know, what you've got is like a Facebook page and some Avery cutout cards. It's like, (laughs) that fine. Like, okay, that's who you want to be. But like, God damn it, folks, make some peace with whatever you're stuck with. Whatever you're stuck with. Like, you know, Jamie Lannister got a gold hand and learned how to fight with the other one. Like that was that was a tough road to hoe. Admittedly, he came from privilege. Let's be honest. But like, hey guys, you know, give yourself a break and like, don't be be careful the extent to which you try to become a different person by like cosplaying a different personality in public. Like, don't don't let that grind you down. Don't let don't let other people's apparent success and happiness come to define to become the baseline for how you're feeling. And like, I don't mean this to sound so sad. I mean it to sound hopeful, which is that like, you can make a good life with what you've got, but it, it helps to be, have some deeper understanding of, of why and how you're who you are and to be circumspect about what you ask for in life because new filters are not happiness. So that's all I was going to say about that. I like that. 
Mm. Well, we got sponsors today, Dan. Did yeah, you know we, got, we got four of them. Let me tell you about we, Eero. We got to talk about the drugs outside my door, but I'd love to hear about yes, something you like. Yes, uh, I would. I would like very much to describe the picture you sent me after, after we do this spot. I uh, hope you can help me unpack this. <sighs> Eero. Because oh, Eero. Merlin life is too short for bad Wi-Fi. I'm on the office Eero right now. Mm. My In, whole house is just running on an Eero. I love the Eero. There, there are people who are going out there right now and they're saying, I need new Wi-Fi because I've had this old base station forever. And there are parts of my house where we either get crappy signal or we get no signal at all. And that's, that is a very, very common situation. That's how it was in my house. That's how it is in so many people's houses and offices. And the Eero is here to fix that. And they have a different philosophy. Their goal is a fast, reliable connection in every room and maybe in the backyard too and your garage and all the different parts of your house where you might want to go and have a really good signal. So back in 2016, they came out with the Eero home Wi-Fi system. And this brings the idea of multiple access points placed throughout a house. This is the first time people were doing this. They, they, you know, they had things like range extenders and other things like that. But that is, that is not, and it's funny because... Um, here in the, in the new office, the first thing I did was put the Eero in as soon as I got the cable installed and the owner, <laughs> not having internet is almost like not, not having a, a door. Yeah. It's like, can't, can't go there. Yeah. You've got to have it. So the, the owner of the building came up and, um, and he was in there and he, he saw me putting, he saw the little beacon on the wall. I'll tell you about those in a second. He's like, Oh, is that a range extender? And I said, actually it, it's not, it's a whole different thing. And he's like, well, you know, explain it to me. This is a real conversation he had. So I explained to him like how the Aero mesh network works and everything like that. And he said, this is the problem because apparently he's, he's pretty well off. He owns a bunch of buildings. He's got a big old house. He's like, my house is big. He's like, I can't get a connection in like two thirds of my house. And I said, yeah. then you definitely want one of these. The way this works in this, the second generation Aero is even better. They have these little things called beacons and they plug into a, an outlet but because of the way that Eero is designed, it's not extending the range. It, that's actually another little base station creating this mesh network that covers and blankets your whole house or your whole office so that you're going to get really, really fast connection in every part of your house. And what's really cool, the little beacons actually have little night lights. You can turn it off. But when it's dark, the little night light turns on. But the thing is that the second gen Eero has a five gigahertz radio it's got tri-band. It's twice as fast as the predecessor. And in my old office, I was on their crappy Wi-Fi, which was so bad that I had to get wired connections for all the computers in there. And I just figured, you know, I'll probably need to have wired connections in the new place too. And I started out with just plugging in the Eero and I just started using my machines. They weren't connected to each other. And I thought, oh, I'll do a little speed test. I'll transfer, you know, one of these big vi video files that I use from one place to another, you know, and a final a fuck a profile is very big. <laughs> and so I, uh, I, tr I transferred the file and it went faster than the, the hard line did in the old office. And it was all thanks to Eero real life example of how great this stuff is. Uh, you really, really need to check these out for yourself. They've got great customer support. If you ever have a problem, the app that it comes with is really awesome, but uh, the thing that that makes Eero really awesome is their uh, Eero Premium service, which does so much really cool stuff 
behind the scenes to make your network safer. It makes it better. It's called Eero Plus, and it has so many great features advanced security in there, content blocking. So you don't want your kids to see stuff. You can do that. It's got built-in ad blocking. It's got a VPN protection from encrypt.me. It's got password management from one password. It's got antivirus stuff. Like it's all built in to that service and it's awesome. So here's the special deal for our listeners. A hundred bucks off the Eero base unit and two beacons. That's the package that most people use in their house. It's it's the most typical scenario. So that's the one they're given a discount. hundred bucks off that, but you get one year of Eero Plus uh, included in that package where you get a hundred bucks off of that. And the place to go is Eero, E-E-R-O, Eero.com slash back to work and use the promo code back to work and you'll get a hundred bucks off that base unit, two beacons and then a year of uh, Eero Plus. So thanks very much. To Eero, that URL again, Eero.com slash back to work, promo code to use, back to work, one word. Thanks very much to Eero. Thank you, Eero. I hit it with my spoon. That's what you do now? You hit it with a spoon? Hit it with a spoon. Right. Um, so I rushed to work. No, this okay, let me, may, may I describe this, Merlin? May I just well, describe hey, hey, this? Oh, hey. uh, just a little quick content, quick, quick quick context i live in a far-flung uh, western neighborhood of san francisco where not much happens um uh much like heaven in the talking head song heaven is a place where nothing ever happens very little happens here heaven is uh, a place on earth hmm. happiest place on earth no love comes first but heaven oh, is a sorry. place i thought on love earth. comes to, love comes to town is another talking head song <laughs> hmm Hmm. Tense, and ner- tense and nervous and I can't relax, if you know what I mean. So, um, so, so Dan says, ah, ah, give me a minute, I gotta do some stuff and then we'll start recording. And here's me. Ah, 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 because I wrote the wrong thing down on the calendar. I said, give me, give me 10 minutes. You were a gentleman about, I jump on the Segway, I head, head down, I get to the office, I arrive at the office. And this is what is waiting for me outside the door of my office. And it, it's a kind of, it's a super interesting little crime scene. Oh, sorry, not pictured here. A couple articles of clothing and what looks like a draftsman's ruler. Please continue. Oh, well, that those are important clues, I think, to solving this <laughs> of puzzle. Of course. Wait, will you do it for a Scooby snack? Uh, okay, so let me describe what Merlin has sent to me. First of all, it's it's mm. dingy and dirty. And the, the, the well... That's got a little bit hurtful. N- my, my landlord comes and sleeps, sweeps it once, once a week, but you know, there, can't be there all the time. It's but dusty. This is, this is the ground. You're looking at the ground outside the door. There are a lot of creepy. white hairs... Oh, Jesus. Which I don't know if they're cat hair. I don't know if they're dog hair. It's tough mm. to say. There's some crumpled dried leaves. There is. Oh, you're really, one, you're really, two you're really, really, you're really burying the lead on this. Tissues one. that are there. There is a. You tell, you, you describe photos like John Syracuse tells jokes. There is a in band, weird, weird bullets. There is a band aid <laughs> still in its wrapper. You're skipping foil and then there is <laughs> aluminum foil which i'm not experienced in the in the ways of methamphetamines but it oh, looks to meth. me like these were used in the process of freebasing and i'm gonna right. guess it's meth because i don't think people freebase coke as much anymore i think it's the all tiny meth. the tiny bag 
Let's see. So look on uh, just above center. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's so what that, that looks like. That looks like a drugs. It's like a gla- what do you call yeah. it? Glassine. It's like yeah. almost like they're kind of like my pill bags, but tiny, tiny, tiny. Right. And has some kind of branding on it. That looks to me like something that Ice T would find at a crime scene <laughs> that used to have drugs in it. Yeah. And it looks then, like you put little drugs in there. Yeah. Little, 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 little crumbles little of a drug or something. Drug crumbles. And then there are one, two, three, four, f- at least five used uh, pieces of tin foil or aluminum foil, as you say. Mm-hmm. And they have the little With burn, what appear to be burn marks, burn in them. skid marks in them. Oh no. Then, skid marks on my mess. But there are two other things that are there that I want to, one of them is it looks like a tin that yes. I would have guessed would have had chewing tobacco in it, but it looks in fact oh, like, like a it, skull, like a skull can. Yeah. It's open. There's nothing in it, but then you see the lid and in with Chinese characters and a graphic, Dan, what, what used to be a lightning cable tin. or something, lightning cable, a lightning cable. <laughs> see, I didn't know you could buy 120 centimeter Daiku lightning cables in a tin. Oh no. Yeah. But you can, but let's, let's but what's explore the blue these... one. What's the blue? blue? What's what is the, the blue? blue there are, there's two, what appear to be disused and please, by the way, please don't post this. Okay. I will not. I mean, I know way you should, but it, it's a little bit identifying. Um, the, um, are those like a hypodermic or a solution? It looks like a solution. It looks like a solution. It looks like there was liquid in, in the inside sense that, it. like it has liquid in it. You pop the end off this thing, and then right, comes out. right, right, right. I can see one of them seems to have been used where the end is broken off, and this is obviously mm. a one-use thing. And I guess they're, you they're sp- like drop droppers would be the way to what put is it. it? Disposable it, can droppers. Can I see what it says on here? Hold on. Sterile. Right, don't 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 zoom in too much. Not for injection. Steel something. I bet it's saline. I bet it's saline. I bet it is saline. Can I zoom is in? Is that yeah. what you use to cook up? Do you cook? Do you do you take the meth? No, I think I'm you thinking cook of the, the meth in the Winnebago with Jesse. <laughs> with that, the cooking Jesse. is what you do. No, because I know I've seen in movies where they have this is what we need John for, where they have a spoon. Mm. And oh then yeah, they, they and have like the, the, the heroin photos from health class. They always got a spoon. They got a spoon, and then you're putting the rock in the spoon with the liquid, and then you heat it with the thing underneath, and then you use a, a then you put a a cotton ball or something in it, and then you put oh, the needle right. and you suck the liquid through the cotton ball or something. Is that? Yeah, that you, sounds like that sounds like a thing. But well, I don't let, let know me, if that's me, for injection, and that they were they were shooting. Okay, that, well, I mean, smoking me, this. Let me ask you this, Watson. Mm. There are two things missing from this photograph. Yeah. And I'll give you a hint. One of them is the person that did it. But there's another <laughs> they are thing. also missing. Yes, they are missing. <laughs> but there's another thing missing from this photograph that is implied by what we're looking at here. Um, a means of igniting the right, contents the, the lighter. of the aluminium. Yeah. Yeah. So this could be, I, I'm no uh, Clarice Starling, but this, if I were to get all Scott Glenn on this, I might, I might say, well, this seems like somebody who's at least a little bit organized because if I were on a budget, I would be using matches. And if I used matches, it is reasonable to believe there would be matches. Yes. Yes. 82, 82, 82. I, I think this person had a lighter. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're well organized. They plan ahead. They probably live with their mother. They own a, they own a, uh, they own a PlayStation, but not a Nintendo. 
<laughs> it's a man uh, between probably 18 and 25. He has red hair. Oh. He recently served in the army in Afghanistan. He. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Enough said about that. Well, here's what, I, here's what I wonder about with this yeah. is, do you. Band-Aid, the Band-Aid. Well, the Band-Aid was, because I'm confused about things it's here. Not because, a band, Dan, it's not a Band-Aid. It's a, it's a Band-Aid that's still in the wrapper. Okay, wait a minute. I just had, a, I just had an idea here. Okay. Okay, okay, hang on. Bear with me. Yeah. When I first looked at this, I thought that the uh, aluminum foil was being used to uh, contain the meth that you were then, in, not you, the person oh, no. was inhaling through the, the straw or tube or whatever they're doing. But what if this is actually a heroin situation where mm-hmm. they were using the aluminum foil because they didn't have a spoon and they needed the saline and the, all the other stuff to, to pull the, and they actually were injecting. And that's why we're not seeing matches because there, there was a lighter used to. Dan, that would be, I don't know a lot about heroin, but wouldn't that be a lot of heroin? Well, this is a lot of. One, two, three, four, five spent cookers. Now, the other question I have is what was kept in the tin? Wait a minute. Maybe, maybe the blue stuff Mm -hmm. is a disinfectant because you're a tidy shooter. Maybe you disinfect the area, you use a Band-Aid, and you leave all your drugs, but you That's take your saying. other Band-Aid wrapper with you. Right. I was thinking- Or that you smoke it. Maybe you smoke the Band-Aid wrapper. What do you need a Band-Aid for if you're freebasing uh, meth? What do you need a Band-Aid for for that? You don't, but you do hmm. if you're injecting- Maybe you want to look like the rapper Nelly. Oh, and you just put the Band-Aid on as a Yeah, don't you just have, didn't he have a Band-Aid over? Was he the hot in here guy? He had a Band-Aid, sure. It's hot in here- Hot in here, flow right up. And then, so wait, okay, okay. But according to what I know from health, you need a way to pop a vein, is what they call it. So what do you do? You take out a Chinese A syringe, cable. you got a syringe. You got a Chinese lightning cable, you wrap it around your arm until you pop a vein. You put the heroin into the disinfectant uh, shooter. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Dan, this isn't what people tune in for. Anyway. See, no, now, I want to get guess, to the bottom. Oh, no, wait a minute. So, so now, if I clean, when I clean this up, like, this is going to have my fingerprints all over it. And wouldn't that be a twist? Now, is that considered a fair play mystery if it turns out that I'm the cooker? I'm the midnight toker. <laughs> well, there's whatever was consumed. What if I forgot? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Maybe this is a memento. It's Maybe you this is and why you don't I remember forgot. you did it. Holy crap. I use, I use lightning cables every day. Do you get them in a tin? My in next a door neighbor's tin? Chinese. See? And the little bags. Huh. I mean, I don't have this kind of branded drug bag. Now, my question I, is, though, I got some NA, NAC nine hundreds in here. Do you yeah. do you think does this imply that the person <sighs> doing this was spending was doing this outside of your office, like, mm-hmm. or or was this drop like discarded here in a moment of panic? I, 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 I'm not comfortable. With, oh, Jesus, I'm not comfortable saying too much more of anything on this, and this should probably entirely be cut out. But I think somebody came and visited for a little while, probably overnight. Yeah, they did not trigger my alarm. Right. There was no uh, sign of forced entry, as we say in the business. <laughs> but I am going to need, when we're done here, and I've done show notes and uploaded my side here on this beautiful Tuesday morning, I am going to need to go and tidy this up. That's fine. You Should I keep the what? box? The box is kind of cool. I wouldn't now, keep now any the box, of that. What did the box hold? Did the box hold? What did the box hold? But the hairs is what really throws me off. Those There's a hairs. lot. They got to be dog hairs. This place is chock-a-block with dogs. Were the so hairs there before or are they associated with See, this that's the pile? thing. I should take a photo every day. 
I should do that. I should do that. I should do that. But I'm Is that this blood on the ground? I don't. I bet, it, I bet it's heroin juice. I bet it's spilled heroin juice. Bean juice. <laughs> <laughs> Must investigate further. Oh, my God. I can't even do Rorschach. Uh, do Rorschach. Do, do Rorschach. I can't do Rorschach. No, you're the, I can't step on your toes there. I will <clears throat> not do that. <laughs> I sound like Patty and Selma. Uh, must investigate further. Oh, Remember so we I surprised you. We surprised uh, you with the tackle box and the Connie Chung calendar. Speaking of gruff voices, I just mm-hmm. rewatched the um, True Grit with um, oh, with the Haley Stanfield. Yes, that's such a good movie. Really enjoyed it again. I hadn't seen her it. Her performance is delightful in oh, that she's movie. She's so cute. So I mean, cute. she's great in Pitch Perfect too. But uh, but uh, but uh, but True Grit is a terrific movie, and it looks beautiful. The cinematography of it is unbelievable. That's to What's me. What's that guy's is, name? That guy we like is that not Roger Deakins, Haskell Wexler? What's that guy's name? Who's the Cone Brothers? Famous? Is it Roger? Roger? No, I'm, I'm having a brain fart. Who's the guy? I am looking it up because oh, I can't God, remember. Todd Zeri is going to cu- 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 kill me. It's not. Is it Roger Deakins? I have to look this. This is like. <sighs> Oh God, Roger Deakins. Yes. Yeah. There, we dodged a bullet there. Good movie. I recommend it. Jeff Bridges, Matt Damon, Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. Josh Brolin, boy. Woof. Boy, I'll t- you know you uh, you know you know what I really like. Mm. Whatever it is you're about to tell our listeners about. Oh yeah, you like that? Are you kidding me? Big fan. <laughs> Which one was I going to talk about? Do you know? Oh. Yeah, I think I do. Which one? Can we check the envelope? Okay. Um, let's see. I was trying to try and do a Karnak bit, but I can't remember. <laughs> hey, hey, I want to say, today I want to tell you about Backblaze. Backblaze. I love Backblaze. Backblaze. Do you use that for your backups? Uh, do I have to say? Yeah. Yes, I have a private encryption key and I, I enjoy Blackblaze. I, I, I use it. I use it. I use it because it, it, I don't know if it's saving my butt today, but I know it'll save my butt someday. And it is also just super, you should tell people what this thing is, but like, it's also just useful because, ah, like there's a thing I know got thrown away and now I can go get it from, from the Blackblaze. Yes. Backblaze is gimmick free, unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs. And it starts at just $6 a month per computer. It backs up documents, it backs up music, photos. Of course, we got to have our photos backed up, videos, drawings, projects, everything that you do. And this is the best part is that they occur automatically because anytime that we are expected to manually back something up, we won't do it. I mean, I've spent so many years in IT. I have seen every single possible scenario of someone saying, oh, I meant to do it. I bought a spare drive for it and I never, I I just never ran it. Oh, it was supposed to be automated, but I shut my computer down every night so it didn't get automated or the hard drive went bad. The one that was supposed to be the backup and then the, I don't know what to do. Don't, don't do that. Don't worry about that. Do it with Backblaze because these happen automatically and they stay out of your way. There's a little application that runs and when your computer is idle, it goes and starts backing things up. If it's idle for eight hours, great. It'll back up everything. If it's idle for five minutes, it'll back up whatever it can in five minutes. When you start getting busy on your computer again, it goes in the background and, and stops. And it's just, it's really- yeah, I, I, have mine, I have mine on a, uh, on a custom schedule where it starts doing it at a time after which I'm usually done doing this kind of stuff. So I don't even have to you go even in have to and worry like about pause that. it or anything. Yeah, yeah, it's real smart. And I mean, there is, but they have so many really cool things. Like a lot of the time 
um, you, you might say, well, that's a lot of data that's going to get backed up. What happens if I need to restore it? Well, check this out. They have this thing called the Restore Return Refund Program. You buy a hard drive restore, you send the drive back within 30 days and you get a full refund because they know that like having it locally, sometimes that that's important. You can do that. And the best part, and you already alluded to this, is that you don't, it's not like restoring a full backup. You can restore just one file or all of your files, whatever you want, it's your choice. So it's like you said, oh, oh no, I just deleted that one file or yep. I want that file the way it was before. You can do all of that with Backblaze, restore by mail. If you have a total system failure, you can purchase a hard drive or a flash drive on it, overnighted via FedEx. And like I said, you can return the drive and get a full refund. It's so cool. They have over 750 petabytes of data let me break that down for you. 750,000 terabytes or 750 million gigabytes worth of data that they're that they backing up. 40 billion files restored. That is a lot of saved memories right there. I'll tell you what. And this is, they have a special deal. Um, backblaze.com slash back to work. That's how they'll know where you came from. That will support the show. But you're going to get a 15 day, uh, no risk free trial. Again, the URL to go to to get that is backblaze.com slash back to work. Go there, mess around with it, start protecting yourself from potential bad times. And one last thing I'll mention that's not in the in the notes here. They say six bucks for a computer, but you can manage all of your computers under one account. So I didn't you, know that. Yeah, so you can have your home computer, you can have your laptop or your work computer or your kid's computer, or whatever it is. They're all going to be backed up in one place you can manage them you can see when they were all backed up but they, the nice thing is a hard drive is not a computer so yes that's cool but like if you right. have i believe if you have a like i have an external hard oh, drive yeah backs up of, everything but like in that case i think that's um, yeah that's included under my because yes. it's part of the same computer yes but yeah i didn't know you could do that that's really cool let's see there's so many places that don't plan for stuff like that that seems so obvious yes my amazon voice dingus is so confused about having uh, echo units in different places, but, but not at Backblaze. They got you covered. They got you covered. So thanks very much, Backblaze. URL again is backblaze.com slash back to work. Go try it out. See if you like it. Think you will. Thanks, Backblaze. Thanks, Backblaze. Uh, beloved uh, Cone Brothers uh, cinematographer, Roger Deakins. Let's talk about Roger Deakins. Let's Deakins. talk about something important. Mm-hmm. Roger Deakins uh, was born in uh, Torquay. Torquay. And and I'm going to tell you what what, what you know Torquay from is that that bah, bah, that is the uh, the seaside resort community where Faulty Towers is based. Faulty Towers. In fact, uh, I'm reading here in the uh, the role of Torquay in uh, English culture. It was while staying in Torquay at the Glen Eagles Hotel with the Python team in 1971 that John Cleese found inspiration for Faulty Towers. Mm. So he based his Basil Faulty character on an actual. Hotel owner in Talkie. Oh, very cool. Now, that t- Talkie has produced a lot of interesting people. Uh, Agatha Christie, the wonderful actor and comedian, Peter Cook, the cinematographer, uh, Roger Deakins. These are all people who, who are from Talkie. Now, now it says here, born in 1821, Richard Burton, the explorer and linguist, don't get tripped up. Because I saw that and I was all, huh? Because I thought Richard Burton was from Wales. But this is a different Richard Burton. This is a Sir Richard Burton. It's different from the other Sir Richard Burton. Sir, Sir, Sir Burton. This Richard Burton, born in 1821, is different from the Richard Burton, who was, in fact, born in Wales. 
And you could tell he's Welsh because the city he was born in cannot be pronounced with my mouth. Uh, and so we've all learned a little bit about Torquay and Richards Burton. I am a, a huge fan of Roger Deakins um, without yeah. knowing that I was a big fan of <laughs> Isn't his. Isn't it crazy? Look at his movies. He's dead. I was just looking at, at what he's done. Um, so much of it is with the Coen brothers. He did Barton yeah. Fink, Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing. Uh, but he's done, uh, he did the Shawshank Redemption. I had no idea. Fargo, Kundun, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The Man Who Wasn't There. Uh, and so, so many more. Sicario. Yeah. Well, think about Blade, Blade Runner 2049. Whatever you think of the movie, boy. Woo. Boy, that movie looked good. But you know, it's so, e I am always impressed by people who can watch a movie and at the end of it, they're like, well, the cinematography was off and awesome. Because for me, it's like, I get so caught up in the story of a good film that it's yes. easy for me to not see the cinematography at all. And it just sort of, and I guess <laughs> right. that that's maybe a sign of good cinematography. But then when yeah. I rewatch it that second or third time, you notice so much like in true grit, there's this one scene where it shows them riding across and it's just, it shows the, the, the horse riding and it's this sort of silhouetted shot and it's just amazing. I'm like, you know, and then lit, there was this little extra with, with this movie. When you buy it, there are extras. And mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not sure if they'll get them in with iTunes or not. But it, you, um, you, can, you can watch him talking about some of it. And he, he talks about how, you know, they, he wanted to capture this. They were looking for a certain place to have. I'm not spoiling anything, but there's a scene where there's a, a, a body hanging very high up. And that's in the path of where our protagonists are going. And he talked about, oh, we were looking for a certain kind of a, a thing. And I know it's just, I was going by this forest and I thought maybe we could do something in there. And so I went into the forest and I thought, oh, we could have the thing hanging from here or whatever. And it's like, you don't even understand as a viewer how much thought goes into every scene, every shot of this movie. I'm remembering it's, how many times the shot has to right, be shot. Right. It's that's, crazy. That's one thing that's just mind blowing. Like they don't just go in there with a super eight and get one good one and leave. It's 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 mind boggling when you when you think about all those factors just just the lighting alone and then the lenses and it's yeah yeah and you're right it's funny we watched we did watch um, Captain Marvel last night um, um, I, ha I had not persuaded my kid to come and see it in the theater with me I liked it everybody else shut up I really liked it I don't want to argue about it I loved it it was a true superhero movie yeah but you don't like an actual movie with a superhero right like a Superman level superhero right which I think is oddly unique these days yes um, it is. I, and I, I loved it, um, but I <laughs> a funny thing. This is not indicative of my wife, and it, uh, it, it's not indicative of my wife is super intelligent. But she had just gotten home from work, and she was kind of mostly looking at her phone. She was looking at sad Twitter on her phone, <laughs> and uh, and Emma and, and Eleanor and I were like, "Can you believe? Can you believe that's Samuel L. Jackson? Because it takes place in 1995. Right? They, they use VFX." to uh, age him down uh, astonishingly well to where... Yeah, because he's you, 70, 71 years old, maybe? I don't know. I mean, but he, here's what's crazy is down his face, his hairline, he looks like he looked around the time of Pulp, Pulp Fiction, right, basically. Right, right. And, it, and so, so part one crazy is like, well, they did a great job. Part two crazy, you stop noticing. You stop thinking about it. You like, you, you stop thinking about what you're seeing in every frame. Right. It becomes invisible. It just, 
It's then yeah. just the, the the person in the role. It's pretty. And cool. ironically enough, for the people who love to talk about how CGI is ruining movies, you know, isn't it kind of funny that like, and this is not a, I don't mean this as a slam. That movie has a lot of, you know, had a lot of production problems, but it is kind of wild that like the CGI job on or the VFX job on Samuel L. Jackson was like I think basically exquisite. Whereas like the wonderful actor uh, playing the scroll he seems like he's kind of struggling everybody with the rubber mask is <laughs> right. kind of struggling to not sound like they're in a rubber mask <laughs> like oh you know practical effects are always better but then at one point she was like i was like isn't that crazy the the aging down job they they did on him and she's like well why didn't they just get a younger actor and ellen and i looked at each other like what do you what do you mean and she's like well why wouldn't they just get somebody that's like the age he would have been i was like that's that's nick fury and she's like oh of course, obviously, that's, that's Nick Fury. <laughs> because like you forget about it. You're used to Nick Fury being a guy in probably his 60s with an eye patch. Right. Not being that young Samuel L. Jackson. Now, did you ever hear the story? Tell me if this is a true story. I'll Google it in a minute and probably feel stupid. But have you ever heard the story about Bendis and Ultimate Avengers and Nick Fury? There's a, there's a story, and no. I would like to find out if it's true. I, I don't know that, I don't the think. The story that I heard was, and I think Ultimate, wasn't Ultimate Avengers like the fir- one of his first like major Marvel comics? I think so. Yeah, I think like it, it was. It was up there with like um, one, the wonderful Ultimate uh, Comics, well, ultimate, not Ultimate Comics, the Ultimate Spider-Man. But anyhow, uh, basically, I guess I guess it was his idea. Somewhere I'll find a story about this. There must be a folklore.org for a Marvel. But supposedly, um, Bendis had wanted to, when he did the alternate universe, so Ultimate Comics, the Avengers that you see on screen, listener, and I, this is not going to be a big comic story, I promise, but the, the, it's interesting that a lot of the Avengers stuff that you see in the movies is based pretty heavily on what's called the Ultimate Universe, which is different from the 616 universe that most comics are based in. Right? Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, like, one of the features, so the, the idea is that they wanted to kind of freshen up a bunch of these fairly old comics and right. not just, like, restart numbering. <clears throat> so they brought in, in particular, Bendis to uh, say, look, uh, like, what if you took all the kind of the coolest, best, most interesting stuff about these very rich characters and kept a lot of it the same? But like, what if you had like not carte blanche, but what if you had some creative freedom to do different things with it? Like, what would you do differently if there were an alternate universe? This is, I think, how it goes. And they were actually really good. The the um, I think they're actually called the Ultimates. Um, right, but that's yes, where we yes. get. Yeah, but that, like that's where we get a lot of the like even like the uh, uniforms and stuff that you see. But the story, the story I heard was that he wanted Nick Fury to be a black guy, to not be the Nick Fury with the cigar from the '60s with the eye patch, right? But to be to be uh, that's one of the things he wanted to do. I don't know the exact order of events, but the story I heard was that he wanted to do that, and I guess it was okay with Marvel for him to do that. And he had exactly this is we're talking around 2000, I think, when this happened like seven, eight years before Iron Man and uh, the movie. And he had a very clear idea in mind for who he thought Nick Fury should look like. And that was the actor, Samuel L. Jackson. And the story goes that he went to the actor, Samuel L. Jackson, and said, I wanted, I don't know how much you like, you know, comics and stuff like that. But like, I, I really want to make this character called Nick Fury, except he's going to be, um, you know, same cool, tough character, but a black guy. And I'd really like to base him heavily on the way that you look. Hmm. And the story I've heard goes that Samuel L. Jackson said, well, of course, I know who Nick Fury is. I've loved these comics for years. And it would be amazing if you wanted to do that. And so supposedly that's how the character in the comics looked like Samuel L. Jackson. Flash forward a few years, they need to get a character, they need to get an actor to play Nick Fury in the movies. 
Isn't that? Have you ever heard I that story? Hear is that, that. A true I love story? it, though. I hope it's true. I want it to be. Let's call it true. You know what? Can you do me a favor? Could you tell me about something you like? And I will try to trace this down. I will do some real time fact checking to discover if I'm off my nut about this. I will tell you about the Luna display. Luna display. Luna display is the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. We've talked about it here before, and I talk to uh, all kinds of people about it all the time because it feels like magic. And I love things that feel like magic and that work like magic. And the way this works is you get a, a tiny little, uh, a little, little plug. I don't know what to call it because we, we decided last episode that we shouldn't call it a dongle because it's way smaller than that. It's tiny and it plugs into your USB port. Now, if you've got USB-C, they make a USB-C one. And if you've got a regular old school USB, they can make one of those too. And this thing plugs into the back of your Mac. And then there's an application that you put there and there's an application you run on your iPad. And what this does is it turns your iPad into a super portable second display for your Mac. You get stunning image quality. You get virtually zero lag. And you can take this little thing and you can go wherever you feel like going with it. You can do that at a coffee shop, a co-working space, obviously in the, take it in the bedroom or the living room, wherever you want to go, you can take this. Even on an airplane, because it gives you the freedom to bring your workspace with you wherever you go. It works over your existing Wi-Fi or it'll work over USB if you don't have Wi-Fi. They've thought of everything. But it lets you seamlessly move windows from one screen to the next screen. That's really cool. But you can also make it your primary screen and then you grab it and you take it with you into the other room. Why would you do this? Well, you maybe want to have access to your Mac anywhere that you go. That's kind of cool. But it also responds to touch events. So it supports touch interactions. It literally turns your Mac into a touchable device. It also works with the Apple Pencil. And it has support for for external keyboards too. So you really can get real work done on this thing. It's not just for fun. It's not just a toy, even though it is fun. And our listeners are going to get an exclusive 10% discount on the Luna Display by going to Luna Display, L-U-N-A, lunadisplay.com and enter the promo code back to work, one word at checkout. And uh, there you go. That's all there is to it. Go check this thing out. I love mine. I use it all the time. It's Really awesome if you're trying to sneak in, getting a little bit of work done, and uh, maybe the applications and stuff and setup that you need on your Mac and you want to look like you're just browsing on your iPad or something. I'm not saying you should do that because people might get angry if you're trying to do it during dinner, but you can do what you want to do. <laughs> Lunadisplay.com, enter promo code back to work and check out. And uh, we sure do appreciate the support of Luna Display. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Luna. <clears throat> the bad news is I got a huge fact about this wrong. The good news is it's a fact that almost no one except for extreme comic nerds will care about. Uh, but that's me. Tell me. Okay. The original, uh, it was Mark Millar, not Brian Michael Bendis. The original Nick Fury, the one from the main 616 universe is a right. white man, but in Ultimate Universe continuity, which launched in 2000. So I feel like it was, wasn't Bendis involved. Am I right? I could have sworn he was. he was. Maybe we're thinking of Ultimate Spider-Man stuff. This is a limited series Millar did. I mm. guess he was white in the original ones. Um, but in the Ultimate Universe continuity, which launched in 2000, he's a black man who looks just like Samuel L. Jackson. This wasn't initially the case, but when Mark Millar began penning the Ultimates limited series in 2002... He decided to model Fury after Jackson, who was his favorite actor. As Millar told THR, he had no idea that Jackson was a comic book fan. And after seeing his likeness alongside these Marvel heroes, the actor called up his agents who got in touch with Marvel. The company apologized and promised to include Jackson in future movie adaptations. Should uh -huh. they even ever, ever be, even, even be made? The rest, as they say, is history. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, so not quite as good as I told it, but still pretty, pretty freaking good. Yeah, yeah. So what was my point? My point was Nick Fury, things you notice, Torquay. I feel like I missed a big point. Uh, anyway, <sighs> yeah. Um, boy, it's gonna drive me crazy. You know, it's early and my memory is really not 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 clicking just now. But I'm sure we got other things to talk about. I'm sure we. I'm sure we'll come up with something. God, we're we're so far in. We've we've covered a lot. I guess we talked a lot about what calendars and truth. Risk and inconvenience, the beast and a fish. Just seeing the trees, little drugs, little drugs. Oh yeah, we did talk about drugs. Um, things you stop noticing in the movie, mm-hmm. cinematography. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what I was remembering? What I was remembering that, and and uh, this is a story that uh, that somebody like. Uh, there are listeners that can tell me how many times I've told this story a different way, but um, I didn't purchase a lot of VHS tapes after I had the dough to get, I think the first one I ever bought, I believe was the collection of REM videos um, and maybe like the, the cutting edge MTV uh, VHS. But I feel like the first, at least amongst the early ones I bought new, as opposed to taping off of HBO. Right. I, had, I did have Glengarry Glenn Ross eventually. And I feel like one of the first ones I got there was Hudsucker Proxy, which at the time, like that's one of those movies that like you don't hear about it so much as like a favorite, I guess, among super fans. But I, I loved it. I, I, I just thought it was so, it was so beautiful for how weird it was. You know what I mean? Yes. The way it was so true to a certain kind of like a 40 screwball comedy in some ways, the way it just looked so much thanks in part to Roger Deakins, right? Like how much, how good that movie looked. But I, I just remember, I don't know why this sticks in my memory. And I, again, I could be remembering it wrong. It might've been Mark Millar. But there's that scene where Norval has to deliver the blue letter to Sid, you know? So he's like, we got a blue letter! Yeah. And he's got to go upstairs and give it to Musburger. Sure, sure. Like go up to his office and Sid's on the phone and he's all agitated. Remember the stock ticker is ticking and eventually Norval tries to put out a fire with the bottle of water and all of that. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. In Sid's massive, massive, massive office. I don't know if I remember this right, but like, I feel like I remember like just, I would, I would just drink in like, like every square inch of how that movie looked as weird and dumb as that movie was. But I, I remember like when Norval, I feel like I remember when Norval walks into the office like everything is so exquisite. Like you can actually see like the footsteps that he's making in the carpeting as he's walking, but there's not like 15 sets of footsteps. Like you would see on a beach. Like they were like resetting so many things. Can you imagine how many times they had to reset like the garbage can and the fire and the giant bottle of water? Like we got to dry out this area before, you know, we got to change clothes. Oh, you have right, all this right, stuff. Right. We got freaking Paul Newman in this scene. Like how many times, I'm sure I've heard he's a great guy, but like how many times are we going to shoot this scene with so much to reset in each one? And like, you know, and then you come up with something that just feels so of a piece. Like it's just, what a crazy business. Mm. Making movies is hard. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Making movies on location. Dire Straits, that was a good band. Uh, what else we got? We do have some... Uh, do you want to do a feedback? Is that what you're thinking? Let's see. We could do a feedback. Yeah. Um, okay, so I will let you choose. Okay. We got two that are easy because they're hard. We got two that are easy because we're just going to be able to say, I have no idea. We have one we might be able to help with in more detail. I'm going to let you pick. There's listener Josh on ways to deal 
with task resistance, the resistance to doing tasks and trying to find a system that helps remove that resistance. We have listener Brian, who has a kid going to college soon and has questions about the best way to do note taking. Mm-hmm. We have listener Brad on adjusting to having a new baby in your life. Mm, I would do them if I was picking an order. I would do Josh first. I would do the baby second and I wouldn't do the other one mm-hmm. because I can't right. give you any advice about note taking. I I'm the wrong person. I, I feel ask. like we can, I, I have so little to offer uh, listener Brian on note taking just quickly. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I, I breath swing because it's a great question that I don't know the answer to, but I also brought it in because I feel utterly disconnected, not simply from how a modern student would take modern notes, but I just don't even, I don't even understand how a college works anymore. Like I have my own idea that's like admittedly 30 years old about how going to college works, but like, do people record, you know, lectures? A lot of people I imagine still go to lectures. Aren't they all, aren't they all bringing computers and typing, typing it as they go? Well, I'm thinking of like, there's those apps out there. One I used in the past was Pear, was an app. Uh, Pear was a really interesting, one of those like awesome wackadoo 2000s apps where it could, you could choose to record. So your lap, you're sitting on your laptop and you can record audio for whatever's happening as you're typing. And uh, it doesn't transcribe it like it probably would today. But if you click at any point in the notes that you've taken, it plays you the audio that you were hearing. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. now, today, you could probably get that stuff transcribed, but is that even the best way? Like, are you better off going with, like, a Cornell Notes style? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, and the other part was, well, there's so many reasons I don't know the answer to this. The other one was, I was I was pretty bad at taking notes. I don't think I ever took good notes. I would look at my friends who were successful in school and always just be amazed at the kind of notes. Maybe we could throw this to the audience. I to, would love to, to hear. Listeners. I would love to hear what they do. I, I've heard all things about like bullet journaling and all these other techniques that people oh, use. Yeah. I don't. Right. I don't subscribe to any of those. And but I will say this about note taking. For me, and I've, I've taken lots of notes on a computer. And the theory for me is my handwriting isn't great. It's it's great when I take time to do it. But I know people who can write quickly. And also very, very legibly. I am not one of those people. My my handwriting, when I try to write quickly, is mm-hmm. it's so bad, I realized early on, it's just not even worth taking notes because I will not be able to read them later. I won't want to read them later and I won't be able to read them later. So I just never took notes. And I got really, really good at remembering what the teacher said. Of course, I would write down my assignments, but I Mm -hmm. got really good at just remembering because I was compensating for the weakness that I had of not being able to take very good notes. So I'm the wrong guy to ask about that. It's all kinds of wrong because, you know, I agree with you. My, or I, I feel you in the sense that like my handwriting is also bad, but to me, that's even not even getting to the, for me personally, the bigger problem of like, I'm not sure what to take a note about. And I will space what the person is now saying if I'm trying to write down what I thought they were saying a few seconds ago. My gut, my gut is that like, and this is really just my gut, but my gut is that, um, um, I mean, if you want to do something like a Cornell system, you could Google it, Cornell note-taking method. That The Cornell note-taking method makes tons of sense intellectually to me. Like if you saw like a formatted Cornell notes page, you any sensible person would look at it and go, wow, that makes a ton of sense. Here's these four different regions where I'm going to do different kinds of notes about things. What I don't know is if that actually works for most people. Right. Just because it's an intellectually satisfying model doesn't mean it's going to be useful in practice. doesn't mean it's not. 
but I could see myself getting even deeper into a different set of weeds if I went with a system like that. My, my gut is that something like a mind map might be a real good way. Yeah. Like if you recorded what was happening in the class and did a mind map as you went, because with something like a mind map, and you can do this with stuff like bullets, not bullet journal, but like classic markdown style bullets, is um, I think it's really useful sometimes to know, well, the United States works this way. We have these this one really big document called the Constitution. That's important. Um, and now what you need to know is that there are three branches of government and here's the three branches of government. But over here on this other branch from the constitution, we see that there's these things, um, you know, called amendments and these first 10 amendments, there's 10 of these. Here's what those are. You know what I mean? Like, cause, cause to me, a big part of, a big part of knowledge or a big part of learning is, um, is having sort of a meta concept about it. Like if you just remember random facts that you've read out of an almanac, that does not make you a particularly learned person. See also me. Um, but people who understand like the shape of information have an insight that people who don't see information in shapes, you know, kind of lack. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to, to have a mental, like a mental model of like how this all fits together. Um, because like there are, I feel like we're practically hardwired for certain kinds of things. Like there's a reason the rule of three exists in comedy mm -hmm. uh, and you can all look that up, but you've heard it. You've certainly seen it many, many times. There's a thing, another thing, and then the thing that's different that's funny. And that's what makes a joke. Like there's the, the rule of three is just everywhere in comedy. There's the rule of 10. You got the Decameron, you got the 10 commandments, you got the 10, like there's so many things. But like, if I, if I said I needed to talk to you, if I said, I sent you a horrible text that said, we need to talk. And like I said, there were 10 things we needed to talk about. I would rather get a no, I would rather get a message from somebody that says there's ten things to talk about. I would so rather have that message than one that says there's two things we need to talk about. Because you know what, the entire time we're talking about the first thing, I'm going to be obsessing over what the second thing was and why you didn't say that first. Isn't that a horrible way to think? But the difference between knowing there's one thing, two things, ten things, or a thousand things, you need a container for that kind of information. That was very wise. It wasn't useful to, to our listeners' question, but it was very wise. Yeah. Listeners, if you, uh, if you have a, like, like, don't just give me a reckon and a Wikipedia link, but if you're somebody who has recently studied something and, uh, serious answers only, um, uh, if you, if you have a, a way of note-taking that you want to tell us about that you thought was really useful, let us know and we'll uh, talk about it on the show. You can tell us on the internet. You know, and uh, one thing I'll add to that is that for me, the act of writing something down makes it more real and makes it more permanent. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. Yeah. And so yeah. there is something all, about- All credit field notes. Yes. And there is something about that that I find to, to be true. And I think note-taking is valuable and don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. Really, that's the whole, I mean, you could put that on our, uh, it's like you got the North Remembers, you got the Lannisters pay their debts, and you got our, our, uh, our house uh, motto. Don't do what we did. Yeah, don't do what we we'll did. We'll have a guy, well, our sigil is a, is a middle-aged man shrugging. Mm. <laughs> 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 you want you wanna me to tell you about the last thing and then we can do the, the, the maybe the last feedback? Yes. Let me tell you about Grammarly. It is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students, even top professionals to use Grammarly to do your best work and accomplish even more of your goals. It is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. It's that simple. That's the way you think of it. It's going to help you improve your communication at school, at work, pretty much anywhere. And 
the way Grammarly works is it, it, it helps you show your best self through writing and it's available across platforms like browsers. So it works as a browser extension. Uh, there's a desktop editor that you can use. And for your mobile devices, there is a keyboard checker. And this is, this is just such a nice way to do it because as you're doing what you normally do, that is sitting down to write, Grammarly will make suggestions. It's not just the stuff that might be built into your operating system where there's a little squiggle and it says, you know, this word's spelled wrong. It's much more in-depth than that. And if, if you want to get really serious about this, the really great thing is Grammarly Premium. This looks out for the spelling and the grammar, just like the regular version, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context. It'll make vocabulary suggestions, deal with conciseness. It understands the importance of readability and can help you with readability for different occasions, whether you're doing a, an essay or writing a you know, like a, like a paper for school or a business proposal or, or just a, a blog post. It understands those, understands the differences and can make really, really good suggestions. It'll make you into an awesome writer. That's their whole purpose. Um, they have a special deal for our listeners. Grammarly.com slash back to work. You'll get 20% off Grammarly premium uh, right away. That's an amazing deal. I wish that I had had this back when I was doing my consulting business and I was writing proposals all the time. It would have been so nice and saved me so much time having this. I wish they had existed back then. You guys don't have to wish it. It is here now. Grammarly.com slash back to work, 20% off your Grammarly premium account. Go check it out. And we would like to thank Grammarly for making this show possible. Dan Benjamin. Boom. If you will it, it is no dream. If you will it, it is no dream. Mm-hmm. Didn't rent the dog's shoes. Didn't buy the beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> V.I. Lennon. How, how old do you think my son has to be to see this movie? That's an excellent question. Not um, the language is not a thing. He he curses like a well, sailor. Well, that's that was going to be number one. That's that number one is scratch that. Okay. Well, okay. What do you got? You got boobs. Uh, right? When are there? There's boobs. We've got boobs in the uh, her her art has been committed for art. being highly vaginal. Yeah. But I don't know if boobs co are an co issue. Coitus. Coit. You mean coitus? <laughs> he draws a lot of water. So. <laughs> um. <laughs> Jackie Treehorn. There is the, the, the most troubling. Not, he's scene. not old enough. He should be, he should be 13 or 14. That's he what, should have been, he should be more broken by life. Don't think I haven't thought of it. Don't think I haven't thought of it. I have no plans sure to show, show, it show to that him, movie I'm, to my kid. I know. Every time she has I now see seen it. selected pre, re, pre viewed things from the actual game of Thrones, actual, according to Hoyle show, but mm. they're always previewed and time limited. So she, she's no, no, no spoilers. But uh, but uh, but uh, but she did see a point when a certain uh, Lannister monarch. She's seen two Lannister people run into trouble. Mm. But uh, yeah, there was one at uh, at a wedding event. Um, she's seen that. You know, I think not yet, buddy. I mean, you know what it is? There's a phrase they use that seems like when you say, "Oh, this this movie is rated PG, not PG thirteen. This movie is rated PG for language and adult situations. Adult situations can sometimes be the thing." You know what I mean? Like, even if your kid is okay with something like 320 F words or yeah, whatever it yeah, is yeah. in Lebowski, yeah. um, there's also, there's like a fair amount of adult situations, I think, in that movie. I'm trying to remember them. You know, there, there's the scene with Bunny. That's the toughest one by the pool. The scene with, 
Oh, you're because, not blowing. Yeah, because that those are those are words with meaning. And yeah, you've got to get to the. Uh, it's one thing machine. to just hear the f word and f you, buddy, and like, okay, big deal. Who cares? Like, that's nothing, dude. But dude. but this has the the sexy content. So yeah, it's like I I call it uh, adult kissing time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we have time to do a question? I yeah. feel like we're running extremely nah, we're long. long. Yeah, let's let's table it. Sorry, Josh. We'll get to you next week, Josh. Oh, okay, Josh. Uh, confidential to Josh. Uh, your problems with resistance in some way, they're completely understandable. Uh, your, your, your problem, uh, as you can probably guess I'm going to say, um, is not going to necessarily come from a new system. You'll eventually probably want a different system. If you are feeling resistance to the tasks in your life, you need to find, you need to find the part where you stopped caring. Um, because any kind of resistance about what we're trying to do, not any kind of resistance, but a lot of the resistance in a well-thought-out system from a professional man like you, uh, the resistance that you're feeling to tasks has a basis somewhere in either like an emotional disconnection or simply not caring. So like, at, if it is it that you're, are you unaware of a big picture that you should be more aware of? while you're over-focusing on tiny stuff that doesn't really matter. Maybe not. Are you writing stuff down that you don't really need to do? Are you writing things down in a way that doesn't fully unpack the work behind the work? Because that will lead to procrastination. If you have a fully formed and mature list of tasks that you need to do, but you're resisting doing them, a la credit to David Allen, ask your brain if you've stopped caring or wanting, caring about or wanting or needing to do any of those things, in which case those things don't need to be on your list. Mm. In the meantime, I would... I would pop up one level, not a huge level, but I would pop up one level to like, look at an area where you're feeling a lot of resistance and perhaps procrastination and ask yourself if this went really well in the next three months, how would that look? Right? So that could be something like you're going to be teaching fourth grade in the fall. I'm going real fast here. If you're going to be teaching fourth grade in the fall, well, break that into a unit that makes sense to you. A really good unit, if you're starting teaching fourth grade in the fall, is thinking about what kind of stuff do you need to do to have a great year in the next year? Or even to have a passable year. But but start with like one or two load-bearing tasks that are extremely uh, important and doable, right? That's really important. I'm, well, sorry, I'm, I'm doing that thing where you use a word to talk about a word. Um, make sure that you are focusing on the stuff that is actually important and that you do care about. If you don't care about your tasks, you need a different job. If you do care about your tasks, but they're not getting done, you probably need to frame them differently. It's not your app that you have a problem with. It's not your system you have a problem with. That is, that is like a, I don't know what's beyond tertiary, quaduciary. <laughs> That's your quaduciary problem. Well, <laughs> not a terrible word I've just invented. Your quaduciary, quadouche. I like that one. Uh, but that's your thing. Like trace back in the stack and like, don't worry, not all tasks are created equal. They're not all important. They're not all good. They're not even still alive, all of them. So it's going to take, on the one hand, you do need to pop up to what is important, not in terms of tasks, what is important in terms of outcomes at a slightly higher level. And then when you get down into the weeds of your tasks, look for some like small and very accomplishable tasks. And then notice yourself, like find yourself getting those things accomplished and then noticing what's different about the things that did get accomplished. And at that point, when you're getting to, now you're getting to the quadruciary level eventually of like what system enables me to be this kind of a person and worker that I'd like to be. And then uh, embrace that with baby steps. Thank you to listener Josh for a question on task resistance. And sorry, Josh, we couldn't get to you today, but uh, we couldn't get to you today, Josh, but we'll try next week. week. (laughs) (laughs) When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? (laughs) Let's button this up. I love you, Merlin man. You, uh, uh, wheels up. <laughs> <laughs>